Hello and welcome to The Outside Story, a podcast on TV, film, and media from an outside perspective. I am your co-host, Larry, joined by my brother, Jonathan. And this month we're doing an October Halloween special, and today's episode is on angels and demons. Oh yeah, angels and demons. So Mm. this is a relatively popular trend that started in the 2000s because of two films we'll be talking about later, which are... Ringu and Juwon. Mm-hmm. So, because of this trend of supernatural, everyone supernatural horror, horror supernatural horror, yeah. everyone wanted to hop on that train. And there were American remakes of those two films called The Grudge and The Ring. And then everyone's like, you know what? We can make our own content too. We have our own scary stuff. So they started pulling off from from religion and from all these other stories, and they wanted to play on those. And so today's episode, we'll be talking about the exorcism of Emily Rose. Deliver Us From Evil, and The Conjuring. So we'll start off with The Exorcism of Emily Rose. Emily Rose was released in 2005. It is based on real events of a very similar story. And it talks about this father who performed an exorcism who is being tried for Such negligent... killing, yeah. Yeah, for negligent homicide. Mm-hmm. Basically, instead of sending Emily Rose to for like psychiatric help, they decided to perform an exorcism and which people believed to have killed her instead of saving her. And this father gets tried and the story follows the lawyer who defends him and the father and also the story of Emily Rose. Believe it or not, Jonathan, I don't think you know this, but Emily Rose is actually the very reason why I got into horror films. Oh, okay. It's one of the reasons why I got yeah, it's one of the reasons why I got back into horror films. Mm. Because I thought this was such a very well done film. It's amazing. It's an amazing film. It is a film. really very good storytelling. Very good horror jump scares. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's it's like it's not just I guess it is for the sake of jump scares too, but then it affects the characters, you know? It's mm-hmm. not just to scare us. Yeah. Um and you start to kind of see the psychology of Emily Rose just kind of play out. And you get really confused as the story of Emily Rose is getting told. The court trial is still going on too. The prosecutor goes and makes you question a lot too. It's like, you know, is what we see real or are we just tripping? Do we really mm-hmm. need medical help, psychiatric help? Yeah, and so it kind of plays this line between the two. And yeah, I just thought it was a really well done story. And I remember watching it again, like rewatching it for this podcast. I'm like, yeah, I forgot how... Like how the jump scares were. They're kind of freaky. <laughs> mm-hmm. And uh, the okay, scene what? where she's in the dorm room. Yeah. Lord have mercy. Yeah, yeah. You mentioned oh, that. Oh, my Lord. You mentioned that. And I was like, oh, yeah. I totally forgot it happened. And I watched it. I was like, oh, my God. That's so freaky. Even when she went to the church, she wasn't safe. <laughs> I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, right. Yeah, it gets you really tripping. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, so Jonathan, what did you think? Yeah. I mean, the reason why I really like Emily Rose is because it's somewhat, I'm not saying it completely stays true, but it's someone somewhat stays true to like the, I guess the spirit of deliverance or kind of like um, the reason why deliverance or exorcism exists in the first place. You know, it doesn't take the idea of exorcism and it, it doesn't turn it into magic. You know, mm-hmm. so like, for example, like you said, when Emily Rose went to the church, she wasn't safe. You know, in reality, like when somebody's going through spiritual oppression, like just because they're in a church doesn't mean that they're going to be completely safe. 
it's not like the church building has this magical barrier around it that when you walk right. in then all of a sudden you're safe it's not mm-hmm. hogwarts yeah um and it's not going to save you there's not going to be professors priests you know casting protego around the building you know like it's this is not how it works and i think exorcism of emily rose is like one of the only exorcism films that like take this idea of exorcism in a serious matter you know yeah and it demystifies Um, it yeah it demystifies Mm -hmm. it it turns it into something that we can all sort of relate with you know Mm -hmm. and i will talk about my gripe with how other films portray exorcism when we talk about deliverers from evil and the conjuring later today but overall, I thought Emily Rose was just a wonderful film. Scary, very scary. Just because something is wonderful doesn't mean that it's not scary. Yeah, um, Hill House. It, it's very scary. But uh, <laughs> at the same time, beautifully told and just a great story. I have a friend who does not do horror films. Like he hates horror films, especially like demon exorcist related ones. But he loves Exorcism of Emily Rose. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so that's got to say something, right? About yeah, the film. for sure. Yeah. So next on our list is Deliverers from Evil, which was released in 2014. And it is actually by the same director as Emily Rose. Mm. So Deliverers from Evil follows a cop named Ralph Sarchi. And he goes and investigates a uh, domestic abuse call. So he goes in with his partner and he realizes that something is up. Like not everything is there with the guy. And so... Like, he's a little crazy. Yeah. So they're not too sure if it's, like, drugs or something. Because, you know, like, this guy, Ralph Sarchi, he's seen a lot. They chase him down. They apprehend him. And he just starts kind of, like, sputtering nonsense. The police let him go because they don't have enough evidence or something to hold him. The next night on their patrol, they get a call to go to the zoo because some lady threw her kid down into a den where the animals are caged up. And so... Yeah, the lion's den. Right. Literally. Yeah, literally a lion's den. And then... The main character goes and investigates it and finds this guy with like a hoodie. He's like painting over walls or something. And, you know, they tell him to stop, whatever. But he doesn't. He runs off, releases the lions. And then um, it's basically the story of him trying to figure out what's going on like with this mystery. Oddly enough, this story is advertised as like an exorcism film, like a horror exorcism film. But it's <laughs> actually more, it's just a story that has those elements in it. You know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah, Jonathan, what'd you think? Um, I did not like this film. No? Um, no, I did not. Okay. Um, there's a, a lot of different reasons why. I kind of felt like the film, again, like, if you're going to advertise, like, your movie as something, you shouldn't falsely advertise it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, they advertise this movie as, like, an exorcist film or an exorcism film. It didn't really feel like that. But at the same time, like, the climax was this exorcism you know? And so I just, I don't know. I just feel like it surprises me that it's the same director who did Emily Rose because maybe his theology changed from, from exorcism of Emily Rose to deliver us from evil or whatever. Mm -hmm. But in deliver us from evil, it just feels again, like exorcism is this witchcraft thing. It's this magic Mm -hmm. thing, you know? There's one scene where like, you know, the priest Mendoza is sitting with Sarchi and they're talking and he's like, do you go to church? And Sarchi's like, no. And then Mendoza's like, do you have a crucifix? And Sarchi's like, yeah. And Mendoza's like, that's a start, you know? And I'm just like, bruh, like that crucifix is not going to do shit for you. You know, <laughs> if you don't believe in the, in its power, you know, yeah. mm-hmm. like, like just because you have the crucifix doesn't mean that like you're going to be safe. Like right. just because you have, you know, 
X, Y, and Z, it doesn't mean that's going to protect you from, you know, demons or anything like that, you know? I just don't like some of the stereotypes that it plays. Like Mendoza being this priest who, like, speaks Spanish and, like, can speak in Latin and stuff. And Sarchi just kind of being, like, this, like, badass cop, you know? And then, like, there's this whole police brutality thing, too, that happens in the film, which I think is kind of irresponsibly done. You had kind of alluded to it a little bit earlier, Larry, where mm-hmm. like Sarchi's problem is that he had killed somebody on duty. And he not only killed this person, but he like beat him to a pulp. And then Mendoza, after Sarchi says, confesses it to him, Mendoza's just like, you're forgiven for your sin. And that's it. Yeah, like, it doesn't get handled Like afterwards. nothing happens, mm-hmm. you know? He's just like, okay, you're forgiven. And it's like, no, like, I, I don't, I don't think that's how forgiveness works. You know, I don't think that's how, I don't think that's how we should look at police brutality. I don't think that this is how we should look at exorcism, you know? And so it's just kind of like all these things, like just kind of like added, kept on adding on top of it. And I think that I can appreciate the story a little bit just for kind of like what it is, because it's this very, very, you know, skeptical police officer who's trying to make sense of all the supernatural phenomena that's going on around him in his work. I can kind of understand that, but it's just, otherwise it just kind of feels like a whole bunch of way too tropey for me, you know? Yeah. And mm-hmm. I guess I couldn't see past the tropes for, for this film. Mm, okay. Yeah. But I know you really like it. I don't, yeah. I don't mean to rip it apart. Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> but, of, of course not. But um, yeah. No, like for me, I enjoy tropes unless it's like ridiculous <laughs> like super ridiculous yeah um but i like tropes because i wouldn't say they define a genre but then it's just they're kind of like archetypes mm-hmm. like everyone just kind of uses them just because but for me personally if you can justify a trope i'm okay with it mm. um and i'm not i wouldn't say this film justifies the tropes but i really did like the characters and their backstories because there's a lot more to them you know sarchi isn't just some skeptical cop just cuz you know like there's a reason for that mendoza yeah. isn't a priest just cuz he does a reason for that even then like i feel like mendoza's story was let's take sarchi's story for example right like his background yeah. of of him killing someone on duty and stuff like that the fault of the story of the film is that like it doesn't explore that further mm-hmm. you know yeah um it doesn't really dig deep into what that means for him and especially because 2014 I guess I don't know when all the like police brutality stuff started happening, but then like, you know, like 2014, that seems pretty recent, you know, mm-hmm. um, cause I moved to Seattle in 2015 and all the cop killing stuff kind of happened right before then, you know? Mm-hmm. And so like, yeah, to have released like a film like that, the main character being somebody who killed somebody on duty, I felt like we could have done more with it. And then Mendoza's mm-hmm. story is just kind of, in my opinion, badass turned priest you know yeah kind of kind of character um mm-hmm. so even then even if he did have a story he just kind of felt like a youth pastor to me you know like mm-hmm. like the typical youth pastor who like you know went to jail was really badass was real hood and then turned to god and that's not to say you know like i'm not saying that like people's like these are their stories i'm not saying that that's a bad thing but it's just like it plays on it a little too much even you know for me okay um, so the next film on our list is The Conjuring, which was released in 2013. It is about a family that moves into this house that has a lot of strange occurrences happen to them and their family, involving like clapping and um, a closet. (laughs) (laughs) And a door. And a door. (laughs) And breathing. (laughs) Yeah, and oh yeah. 
Um, Anything. And, and pictures falling off the walls, that sort of thing. Um, and so the this family seeks out the help of Ed and Lorraine Warren, who are what's their title exactly? Do you remember? I don't know, demonologists or something. Was it? Yeah, I, probably yeah. demonologists. Yeah, yeah. That so right. Yeah, so they're demonologists who, in their house, have all these cursed artifacts that they seal to kind of make sure it doesn't go and affect anyone else. And so they explore this house that the family is living in and they decide like hey yeah yeah this place is haunted we gotta do something about it <laughs> pretty much <laughs> oh, um but yeah so the thing is i've never seen the conjuring and until very recently yeah like summertime. Like, yeah i just never really got into it i just i personally thought it was just gonna play on certain tropes as for you you know how you thought Deliverance from Evil was tropey. Yeah. I thought I'd be okay with The Conjuring because it's tropey, but I'd be better if the characters were a lot more... Fleshed out. Fleshed out, yeah. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Because like, in The Conjuring, it's just this family that just that just has to deal with it, basically. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they love each other. Yeah. They're a really good, loving family. Yeah. And then they just happen to buy a haunted house. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah, but yeah. like, I'd be okay with it. Like, maybe the father, Roger... Maybe the father of the family dealt with, like, temptation to, like, you know, cheat on his wife. Maybe that's why Bathsheba, the spirit the that's the spirit demon that's uh, affecting the house, maybe mm-hmm. that's why it affected the place even more. You know what I mean? Like, that kind of, mm-hmm. like, that would definitely flesh it out for me. That would make the conjuring for me. But it doesn't. It's just more about the house. <laughs> yeah. It's more about the mystery. The mystery, the demonologists that are trying to un- unravel this mystery. Yeah, the story to, of the house. Yeah, them trying to solve the house by like cleansing it, I guess. So, mm-hmm. a lot of the jump scares were kind of predictable except for like one or two. <laughs> it just totally caught me off guard. I'm like, "Whoa, that's good." But see, even if I say it's good, it's like medium good. So, there's for me there's three types of jump scares. One, it happens and I don't I don't react. Two, <laughs> I react. Oh, it's good. Like it was a good jump scare because I wasn't expecting it. <laughs> Three, I, fr- I freaking I I, I swear like, like I, I curse. <laughs> That's how you know I'm actually not scared. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that's funny. Yeah, so those are the three levels of jump scares, and the conjury only hit like level two. So like maybe two of them hit level two for me, but everything else, I'm like, ah, uh, yeah, it's it's okay, you know. So, yeah. but yeah, I really liked how the backstory was just kind of unraveling in that sort of story behind the house. Like I liked that aspect, but um, but yeah, Jonathan, what did you think? I saw The Conjuring when I was, I think when it first came out. I don't think I saw it in theaters because um, Lord knows I do not really watch scary movies in theaters. I try not to. I saw The Conjuring and I thought it was really good. Not only was it scary, but it had a story that you could follow along with. And I think at that time, with so many scary movies coming out, like it just kind of felt like there were a lot of scary movies or just there to make you scared. Mm-hmm. Um, but The Conjuring, you know, there's there's a little bit of story with it. But then again... My gripe with this one, similar to Deliverance from Evil, is that they make exorcism seem like this very, very, um, very witchcrafty magic sort of like thing. Like, I need the Bible. I need to read it in Latin. I need to read these Bible verses, you know, um, sort of thing. And so I just, I didn't like it for that. But yeah, I'll talk a little bit at the very end of this episode about just kind of my experiences with um, with deliverance and spiritual oppression and stuff too. So. Mm-hmm. You want to talk a little bit more about Conjuring? Yeah, so 
this film, I know it's the first in its series, but this film actually got me more interested in the other kind of films that they made. Because they call it like the Conjuring universe, right? Because they have like Conjuring 2 and the rest of the Conjuring series and the other films under its branch. Mm-hmm. And Annabelle, The Nun. Yep. I really liked the idea of the Conjuring universe because when they first introduced Ed and Lorraine Warren, the two characters, they talked about how they went around and gather these cursed artifacts and yeah like make... there were these badass mm-hmm. deliverers or whatever yeah yeah yeah, yeah. and i, <laughs> I kind of like that idea i was like oh i wonder if they can make more out of it i'm like oh yeah <laughs> that's what they did they followed them throughout the rest of the series and it felt more <laughs> like like how the like how the marvel cinematic universe <laughs> has like you know their continuation <laughs> yeah. of them being badasses like this is the, them being more badasses <laughs> Essentially, that's why they call it the Conjuring Universe. Um, And I really liked that idea just because there's a lot more backstories and settings to kind of tell. Like, you can explore so many different aspects of that, you know what I mean? And you can even touch on different cultures. You don't have to touch on... I know The Conjuring was about, like, witchcraft, like, the northeastern region of the United States. And so, yeah, you can even touch on different cultures with that. Mm -hmm. And I think that'd be really interesting. If mm-hmm. they do go that route. I know Ed and Lorraine Warren are actual people. So they base it off like the actual couple that did it. I don't know if they actually did dwell in other cultures. But I do think that'd be a really interesting story too. Yeah. yeah. So Jonathan, you want to finish it up? Yeah. So I just... Uh, the the main reason why I, I, I have such a big gripe about exorcism and stuff like that is because... I have a real life experience that deals with it. I had a friend who was being spiritually oppressed. Essentially, he would wake up in the middle of the night and he would feel like there was somebody watching and he didn't really know what to make of it. He would wake up, turn on the lights, walk around his room. At the time we were going to school together, so we were in dorm rooms. And so he'd walk around his room and he just kind of feel like there's, he would just feel like there was this presence, but he couldn't really, didn't know what to make of it. But essentially he was losing sleep because of it. And he didn't know how to deal with it. And he was telling me about it. And he's a Christian. And so I was like, oh, yeah, that's not good. Like, let let me pray for you. Like, let me come to your room and pray for your room and stuff like that. And so I was like, okay, yeah, let's do that. And then I had someone, a friend of mine, who at the time was going through a series of deliverances at his church. And he was essentially doing a lot of exorcisms, like people dealing with spiritual oppression. And he was telling me about this and I was like, oh, that's interesting. Like I have this friend who's going through this thing. He doesn't know if it's spiritual or if it's just like biological or psychological, emotional, et cetera. We don't know what it is. And he's like, oh yeah, let me talk to your friend. And if he's willing, like, you know, maybe we could talk about it and do something about it. I was like, sure. I connect my friends and they talk about it and they decide, oh yeah, like I think this is something spiritual and it's something that we should explore. And so what we do is we had this session. It's called a truth session or a deliverance session. It's not necessarily like an exorcism, but it's similar to, it's similar to kind of like therapy, whereas like therapy deals with the psychological, mental, and emotional health of someone. A truth session and deliverance session deals with the spiritual health of somebody. And so essentially my friend who was going through this oppression was going to be, was going to search deep within himself to figure out kind of what's bothering him spiritually. But anyway, long story short, we go through this thing and it was, it's it's like, it's crazy. Like my friend kind of like goes through this trance where he's kind of like not really himself, but also himself. 
there were essentially spirits within him that were using his voice to talk. That's the experience that was happening. And I was kind of like freaked out <laughs> a little bit, but at the same time, like kind of knowing and trusting in my other friend that my other friend knew what he was doing. And so my friend who was being oppressed by these kind of spirits, at the end of it, what happened was he no longer had the sleep stuff anymore. So he was able to sleep. And then he talked to his parents about what had happened. And after he talked with his parents about what had happened, his parents then were kind of faced with this reality of like the trauma that his parents had put into his life when he was a child. And it's not that, you know, his parents meant to do that. But it's definitely that the reality of life is that, you know, as children, we go through trauma and it sticks with us, you know, and it comes up in, in a whole bunch of different ways. As we mm -hmm. see in these horror films, you know, like they manifest in the Babadook or they manifest in, you know, like other ways. For my friend, this is kind of how it was happening. Mm -hmm. um, and when he received like deliverance, it was a feeling of of kind of like love, I guess, and an outpouring of love that forced these kind of evil spirits who are running his life to leave, you know? And so when you take something as serious as exorcism and deliverance, at least for me, it's serious. And you turn it into this like magical sort of thing where it's like, you know, you're going to read a couple Bible verses and you're going to command the, the demon to tell you its name and stuff like that. Like, it's just, it just rubs me the wrong way because there are mm -hmm. people in my experience who have gone through these things and it just twists it in a way where I don't like. And that's why I like Exorcism of Emily Rose a lot, because again, it has this theme of like, you know, in order to save Emily, we have to have this outpouring of love on her and make sure that you know and then like the, the another problem with deliverers from evil is that when when the people were possessed they were like possessed forever you know yeah um and that's that's just not how it happens whereas like in emily rose when the priest was being asked like hey like can you tell us about your experience and he's like oh yeah emily rose was basically herself for the majority of the time but it's only every once in a while where she would be overcome by this other person or this other spirit inside yeah. of her and it wasn't that she was possessed the entire time you know mm -hmm. um, but it was only be moments you know where, where they would see her in a way that that was hurting her yeah I, I think that's the thing with horror films it's especially with exorcism is that it's hard to understand the difference between like what's reality and like what's exaggerated I mean, it's film. Like, for certain aspects, I feel you need to exaggerate certain things. But sometimes it's, like, super over the top. Emily Rose does a really, really good job, like, balancing the two. Mm -hmm. um, but Deliver Us From Evil, super exaggerated. Like, the... Um, the exorcism at the, the exorcism. end. Yeah, at the end. Oh, my end. God. Yeah, it was crazy. Blown out windows and all that stuff. See, the thing <laughs> is, like, that doesn't actually happen. But the thing is, it's it feels like that, though. You know what I mean? Yeah, it um, can. Yeah, it, it can feel like that. Um, yeah. <laughs> I feel like the conjuring just takes it to a whole nother level because the conjuring freaking <laughs> takes a shotgun and fires it. I'm like, oh my god, okay, that's a whole nother level. <laughs> like, I understand blowing out windows, but a shotgun, a floating shotgun, and you're going to fire that shotgun? Yeah. Like, are you kidding me? Um, Thank you, James Wan. Thank you. Yeah, so, like, to be honest, it's not like that at all. But it feels like that. It feels right. like a shotgun's fly floating through the air. Right. And she's gonna it can definitely you. feel like that. Um, <laughs> and that's what films, like, films are a visual element, and they do a good job at over-exaggerating certain things to kind of emit that feeling. Because, like, as the audience, it's we can never really truly become immersed into what the characters are feeling. And so sometimes it does need to be exaggerated. But then 
if you are attempting to tell like a a genuine true story emily rose definitely did that well the other two are more like accounts so it's more like meant to exaggerate the experience so that way you can you can kind of at least feel what the characters might have been feeling at that point you know what Mm. i mean yeah um so that's why i understand your gripe with all the other stuff because it's not very true to reality and sometimes i think that exaggeration it's still a film it has to be entertaining at least that's my understanding of it because it does bug me too delivers from evil yeah it kind of did but not as much but the conjuring definitely bugged me a lot because everything was flying everywhere i'm like okay (laughs) you're doing too much you're doing a little too much but i understand why they do it because it feels like that even if that's not actually it you know and that's the strength of films yeah one last thing before Mm -hmm. we end this episode we are aware of the film called the exorcist that was released in 1973 and was kind of the first of its kind um for for kind of like demon possessed horror i've seen the exorcist i don't know if you've seen it larry yeah i've seen it um it's just way overdone in my Mm -hmm. opinion yeah um and as a Christian, a little offensive. <laughs> I don't know how I would feel now. I watched it when I was still pretty conservative in my theology and ideology. But yeah, at that time that I watched it, I was pretty offended. It also just didn't seem real. It was scary. Yeah. yeah. Terrifying experience, but um, it's a theme song <laughs> that gets it's everyone. It's the theme song. <laughs> it's the theme song like that gets X-Files. everyone. It's the yeah, theme song. Exactly. It's the song that gets you. It's, that's not the actual film or the actual yeah. thing itself. Yeah. But... Speaking of X-Files, Larry, tell the people what to watch for tomorrow's episode. So for tomorrow's episode, we will be talking about cosmic horror, which is like a sci-fi horror. And the two films we'll be talking about are Annihilation and Alien. So again, thank you for listening for today's episode and join us again tomorrow. Have a good night. Bye. Bye.